Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me this week, I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, not bad. Um, not a bad way to, uh, to, to respond, I think, from, the, from last weekend's misery um, and not a bad result after waking up early this morning. Yeah, look, I think we're both just saying we're feeling it. It was a very early start, 5 a.m. kickoff time here in Australia. I think it's only going to be another week or two before the uh, daylight saving switch is over. But then, of course, that means 2 a.m. weekend games, which will be just as lovely. <laughs> but look, you know, as, as you just said, it, it was a great way to bounce back after that Fleetwood game. Um, we were saying last week, Brad and myself, that... Um, these two games are almost the most important of the season in terms of how we respond to the loss, um, given the fact that it kind of had shades of last season's defeats and whether we were able to bounce back straight away would sort of you know, set the tone for, for, for how we would respond to setbacks this season and respond we did, um, starting with that Rochdale game where we were the 3-0 victors. Um, Wilkes managed to bag two goals and Magenis got one late as well. So how did you see this performance and 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 um, and how did you see the players taking the field? Well, I think um, the game on the weekend was, in a sense, was probably one of, I mean, overall it was probably, probably was one of our strongest performances regardless, but I think particularly with needing that bounce back factor and needing to respond Really strongly from the from the previous game against Fleetwood, um, I think they ticked all those boxes. They did it really well. Um, really dynamic going forward. Um, pretty pretty strong defensively. I don't remember maybe one or two sort of half chances that Rochdale created. I think maybe one or two uh, off corners or something, but nothing like. I don't remember them really penetrating us in any significant fashion. Um, so. Look, I, I think it was exactly the performance we needed, and and exactly the performance I wanted. Anyway, we got the, we took the three points um, in a dominant fashion. So, it was a yeah, good response. And, and I think um, one of the big factors with the game last week was uh, when we fell behind and we substituted. I think it was Batty who went off for Meyer and really opened up that midfield for Fleetwood to exploit. I think um, having Smallwood back in there this week really emphasised the the absence that he had. The, the, the absence that we'd felt with him uh, not being in the side for that Fleetwood game because I think he really shored up that midfield and allowed Doherty and Honeyman a lot more freedom going forward. So um, his return to the team, I don't think it's a coincidence that we haven't conceded um, a goal in any game that he's played in. Um, I think he, he's becoming a very vital cog in that midfield. Um, and, and I guess I'd also point out that we had uh, Greaves debuting for us for us in that game. So uh, not so often that you get a father-son in uh, in football, but always good to see. And, and look, he looked really, you know, at home at centre-back. He didn't put a foot out of place. I thought he was really terrific on debut. Yeah, he certainly was. I think, um, I mean, he's had two two strong, strong performances so far. I think, um, you know, it's one of those ones. I think when Device is, is recovered from, I think it was an illness, Um that he'll probably just slot back in, but it's going to be one of those calls where it's going to be harsh, I think, on Greaves because he's he's performing really well. Um, 
Yes. And it's it's interesting that Greaves came in over um over Jones or um uh, McLaughlin oh, even. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is, but I think um I guess it's just one of those things that I, I, was Greaves one that McCann made comment of last season. Is he one that McCann had said said something about how promising I I, I, I vaguely yeah, think it might have been, been him and uh him and Sheaf maybe. Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but I think obviously, you know, he's he's obviously doing he's doing hard work and training. He's doing all the right things, so um, he's 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 earned he's earned, he earned his chance, and, and he's um, you know another player who's getting an opportunity in there, and he's grabbing it with both hands. So you know, more power to more power to us. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the goals themselves, um, it's sort of funny. I feel like ever since we had the episode reviewing uh, Callum Elder and and you made the comment about, you know, he probably needs to work on his set pieces, he's delivered two fantastic corners for two goals in in a couple of games and um, did so again for the opener in this one for Wilkes, uh, which was terrific. And and then it was a really well-worked corner routine with uh, Honeyman and uh, I want to say maybe it was Elder as well. Um, that led to the Magenis goal, for, well, sorry, the third goal. Uh, the Wilkes' second was was a really neat volley as well. Yeah, they were very, um, all all three impressive impressive finishes. Um, I didn't realise Magenis could jump that high. It was quite <laughs> a leap um, to, to nod yeah. that one in. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice short corner routine from, uh, from, from Magenis' goal from Honeyman to Elder and then just played straight back in and, and whipped across. That was great. But I think that that second goal of Wilkes's is probably the pick of him. That was from from that position and from the angle that the ball came in and all that sort of stuff to, to be able to, to turn volley and, and, and put that away, um, I guess, really shows this, this the vein of form that he's in and the level of confidence that he's currently playing at. So. And interestingly, I think I saw the stat that Wilkes has now scored more goals. I think it's 10 in 27 or something like that. He's actually got a better return uh, than Bowen did from his start to a City career. So, you know, you sort of, I guess because there's such a fixation on KLP being the natural successor to Bowen in the side, being a youth product coming through the ranks, um, we, we sort of discount the fact that Wilkes at a pretty similar age is putting together a pretty good start to the season as well. So it's great to have these options. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's been the, the key even, you know, in our terrific start to last season, not that I really want to spend a lot of time talking about that, but like we had at that time, you had Grzycki on one side and Bowen on the other playing, both playing really well and both contributing regularly. And I think we seem to have sort of got that into a similar position again where the players that we have are... are, are being challenged for to hold those positions and, and are playing well and, and producing goals and assists and moments that are that are impacting our games, which is was uh, sorely lacking for large portions of last season. But this season, it's all there. Um, you know, we're, we're now we're six from seven, top of the top of the league. Uh, there's not a lot to to complain about. I don't think at the moment. No, definitely. So just before we move on to the Wimbledon game, um, I guess my 3-1 to one for the game, I'd probably give best of field to, to Wilkes because of the fact that he was able to bag the two goals. And, and as we said, they were both really well-taken finishes as well. So he looks a man full of confidence at the moment. Um, I've given the two to Honeyman. I think, it, you know, it was another terrific display from him. Got the got the assist for the second, uh, well, the third goal. I keep saying second. 
um, and again was just really a strong presence in midfield. And I'll give the one to Elder because I've been a little bit critical of him this season, I think, but it, I think this was probably one of his better displays. So, um, yeah, I think that's sort of where I'd, I'd apportion those votes. How do you see it? Um, look, I think those are probably that's probably pretty fair. Though, those choices, I probably wouldn't argue much with those ones this week. Fair enough. Um, we'll look at the head of the. Oh, sorry, we should look back at the Wimbledon game as well. That was this morning, um, one 0 victory. Uh, we sort of already touched on it a little bit, but um, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting, um, sort of by nature of the fact it was a midweek game. Uh, McCann looked to make a couple of changes to the side. Uh, sounds like Wilkes had a bit of a stomach bug, so he wasn't really meant to play at all in the game. Um, so dropped out of the side for um, Adelican, who came back in. And we had Coyle starting at right back over Emmanuel, which which was great to see him given that chance to, to have a league start. And it was really unfortunate that he went off early injured. But, you know, I thought he, he looked quite good while he was on the pitch. Yeah, you got a feel for, for poor old Louis Coyle. He's just... He... He finally got got a chance, and he just got absolutely clattered in those first few minutes. And then it was it was only fifteen minutes later after that or something he got hammered again. So, and um, it's 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 tough because you think from his perspective, he's probably thinking, you know, I really need to prove my spot in the team. I can't pull out of the challenge. I've got to go in full blooded, and that's the result. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty unfortunate on his part, but I think. Um, I think McCann's shown his hand that he's not going to be afraid to to, to rotate through that squad, and I think there another chance will come for Coyle. Um, I think we're pretty we're in a pretty hectic sort of run of fixtures. I think at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. So um, it wouldn't even surprise me if it was only if it was next week again or whatever that you know he tries to give Emmanuel that bit of a break because obviously this morning was supposed to be a rest for Emmanuel, but he still ended up playing seventy odd minutes. So. Um, and, and, he, and he played pretty well, you know, for his side, as he yeah. probably was, you know. Yeah, he did. Um, I think this morning's game was seemed seemed to be a totally different proposition to, to Rochelle on the weekend, despite the fact they, I think they said in the call they play the same formation and all those sorts of things, but it was it was, it was just chalk and cheese. The, the games were completely different, I think. Not sure what was going on this morning, but I, the, I think we played pretty poorly this morning. My first impressions were really, really slow ball movement, and that was um, hampering our, you know, our, our attacking play and our ability to, to to break them down and get in that final third. Just very, very sloppy. Um, but in saying that, that the the spirit and that, that never die, never say die attitude that seems to be developing in our squad this season, um, you know, was was shown again. Um, you know, managed to get in front, and even though there was a lot of holding on, a lot of holding on, and those last probably ten minutes were quite nervy with a few dangerous sort of um, opportunities um, in our box. Um, so, you know, the boys were again and it, late in that game, throwing themselves around trying to block those shots and block the crosses. Um, I have no idea how Honeyman can run as much as he does. Um, I know they said like the comment was made that he's an energizer bunny, but it's it seems to be it's becoming more and more apparent. I don't know if he wasn't able to get fully fit last year or something, but <clears throat> it is insane like how much he is able to sprint throughout the game. In the night like the eighty ninth minute he's down on our eighteen yard box, picking the ball up and sprinting, trying to make a counter. Yeah. It blows my mind. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and look, I, I would tend to agree that it was a poor. It was definitely a poorer performance than the weekend. Um, I, I note, noted in McCann's comments, um, he said whilst it was a poor performance, I think it was a really good defensive performance. It was really sloppy going forward. So because I've seen it, I've seen a bit on Twitter, people sort of saying it was a, it was a really bad game, and I mean, I, I sort of get where they're coming from, but I think. Comparing it to the Fleetwood game, for instance, which I'm, I look at as that was a bad game where we were very sloppy, conceded some pretty poor goals. I think the fact that we were able to grind out the one nil win um, was a really professional. Um, it was was a mark of a really professional side, I thought, and um, <laughs> I particularly liked the tactics towards the end of the game. I sort of pointed out this morning that you know it's not always by the rules, but the the, the, the sort of little time wasting tactics the, the players were starting to employ. I saw at one point. Emmanuel kicked the ball away. The, a free kick was given to Wimbledon. Emmanuel kicked the ball away and sprinted back down to, to the fence. And then Wimbledon got the ball to take the free kick and then Wilkes knocked it away. And I think Wilkes got carded for it. But it was just funny seeing them both doing it on the same play um, and Honeyman getting involved in a bit of nickel as well. So, you know, you sort of laugh at that sort of thing. But that that's sort of what you've got to do um, at this level of the game to, to sort of grind out the wins. Um, opposition managers don't particularly like it. And we'll talk about what opposition managers have had to say about us in a little bit, but um, a win's a win. It's the first time in 50 years that we've started with three wins at home with three clean sheets at home um, as well. So so I think the last time we started with three wins was back in 2012-13, and I think the comment was that the last two times we've started with three league wins at home, we've been promoted, so that's always a good positive sign as well. Yeah, look, if, if we can keep that trend, um, you know, going, then I'll be pretty happy. But I think, like, as you said, it, was, it wasn't a great performance this morning, but we still, we managed to, to, to grind out the result. And I think that's what's important. And these are the sort of games that can, you know, be those those corner, those corner cornerstones. Those, these are the sort of results that you, you build premier championships on, is being able mm. to play poorly, but still find, finding a way to win and finding a way, um, you know, sometimes it's finding a way not to lose. So, uh, absolutely, just, yeah, just, just stoked that we're on top. It's it's a funny feeling. It's great that um, I think there's been a few times we've been top mid round or mid match, but it's great to be top at the end of a round. Um, is always always a nice spot to be in. And uh, we were talking before about um, Hullborn Jacob Graves, and and it was a I'd have to say probably about twenty years since the last time we've had three Hullborn players in the starting eleven with Coyle. KLP and Graves all lining up in the starting 11 this morning. It was two of them linking up for the goal with um, a pretty well-timed volley from Graves from the corner and, and then KLP nodding home. As McCann said, he'd be a bit frustrated that he's had a few goals chalked out for offside in recent weeks, but no one was taking that one off him. And it was great to see him get another goal and keep going. Yeah, look, I thought he was um, he was pretty good, pretty good this morning. Um, you know, it was, it was really well, well taken or like well finished um, goal. He looked looked dangerous. Was doing his thing. Um, you know, I think. Uh, was it was it the start of Rochdale? He was a bit slow as well. He was everyone was off against Fleetwood, but I think the first half an hour or so he was a bit off at Rochdale. And I think someone said they could the call might have said they could hear Grant McCann was on the sideline telling KLP to get his head in the game or something. I, I, I missed the first maybe 20 minutes of Rochdale. I was having internet issues, so I might have yeah. missed that. I'm not sure. Right. I've, there was something. I vaguely remember something about 
him being a bit off, but um, you know, which which happens from time to time. But he's um, responding, and I think overall he's like he's having a really strong season when you consider that some of the guy, the people that he's that he's stopping from from or keeping out of that starting eleven. You know, he's doing a fantastic job. So I think he's earned, he's earned his spot and, he, and he's deserved that goal. Yeah, and, and you know, given the fact that in preseason McCann was saying that KLP might not start every game, that he'd have to bide his time, the fact that he's started every game this season, I'm pretty sure, is um, pretty terrific. It shows that McCann's putting a lot of trust in him. And I think he won the EFL League, I don't know if it was League One or EFL Young Player of the Month for um, September. So that that's also a great sign for him. Yeah, I think um, anytime you can get you pick up an award like that, it's um, I, you know it's well deserved and just I mean it's just another string to, to his bow. Uh, whether it, you know at the end of the day does it mean that much? Probably not, but it's nice to be recognised for your performances. Yeah, definitely. So I guess my uh, MVPs for this match, uh, I'll probably give the three to Honeyman. I think consistent consistency between the two games um the consistent element is honeyman and as you say his running his effort he's just everywhere on the pitch he's just um really developing into a, a really key player for us this season and, and i wouldn't be surprised to see him pick up the uh player of the season at the end of the season for his efforts um probably klp for the for the two for the goal um for his efforts i think he was another one that um uh, was probably the brighter spark in our attack. I don't think Adelican had a particularly good game. Um, you know, he had a few good moments, but sort of drifted in and out of the game. Um, and then I'll give the one to Emmanuel because I think, sort of alluded to before, the, the fact that he was probably quite tired, I assume, if he was being given a rest or he was being managed and he was sort of thrust into the game, um, he, he was really strong up and down that right-hand side and was linking up really well. Um, particularly with Wilkes when he came on, but Adelican before that as well. So um, I'd probably give him the one. Yeah, look, I think my only um, I might argue with you on on Emmanuel, and not because I don't think he deserved a point, but I think I might actually I'd probably possibly give it to to Greaves or even or or even yep. Burke. I think they I, just just to be nice, I'll give it to, to Greaves. I think you know it's it's not always easy to come in, you know, especially for someone like like Geordie stepping those those shoes and he's such a vocal character and, and a um, important part of defense but to step in and and not once but the two games in a row to to, to perform really well as the, as the would would be the probably the youngest on the park so um, yeah I, I give a point to, to Jacob Reeves no fair enough absolutely um so there's there's not a whole lot of off-field discussion to to touch on this week but um i saw an interesting article in the whole daily mail which had been something at the back of my mind for the last few games which is sort of the nature of opposition managers after games to be saying that um they played better than us or that we didn't necessarily deserve the win and um, I think the uh i think it was baz in the in the whole daily mail sort of said if if these managers um, we're on the money, then I guess we'd be bottom of the table because we wouldn't deserve any of our wins. But um, what can you pinpoint anything about the way that we've been playing this season that you would think tends to motivate managers to talk in this way? Is it is it just managers being managers and trying to spin the result as not being as bad as it might have been for their team? Is it they're a bit you know jealous of us perhaps, or or what do you think it might be? Um, I think perhaps it's a little bit of you know. There's, there's still that big club mentality or like big club 
you know, perception of, of us, um, you know, deservedly so. I think we've we've earned that. But I think there's a the the perception is that you know that we're a big club and we've dropped down and we should be you know you know we've got we've still got a budget of players of whatever it is. Someone said eight million or you know whatever. And that we should be, you know, blowing all these teams off the park. And I, sh- I guess they're saying, you know, we-, we should be beating everyone nine nil every week or something. And if we're not doing that, then we're not playing well enough. So I think, I think there's a little bit of they're trying to tear us down a little bit and say, oh, well, you guys should be playing, you know, with the players that you've got on hand and the amount of money you've got, you should be, you know. But I mean, you know, we're six from seven, we're top of the league. I don't know what else we really have to do. The other part is, I think, you know, is the flip side is they're trying to still you know salvage some some confidence in their players and and continue to build that morale for their own squads by saying you know look at the team you guys went up against and you know like someone like Wim- like as wimbledon this morning you go you know you guys you guys worked really hard and you've, you've only given away one nil um one one goal away to the team that's now top of the league who just dropped out of the championship for me, like sure. I mean, if I was uh, willing to play, I'd be. That'd be. I'd be happy to receive those sort of comments from a manager after the game. Some of the others, though, I don't know if it's been fully deserved. You know, there's the couple of three nil wins that we've had and stuff. Well, it's hard to argue. Yeah, I, yeah. One of them, he, he said, "Oh, yeah, and we weren't really well." But once you get three nil behind, it's hard to compete. And I was like, <laughs> "You can't have played that well if you got three nil yeah, behind." Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no, it's, it, it's certainly a weird one. It's interesting, and and look, I, I I take your point about the fact that we do probably have a much larger budget than um, clubs in the division. But one thing I find interesting about this season, if if it's sort of this trend continues and we are up fighting for promotion, comparing it to our last promotion season under Bruce uh, in in fifteen sixteen, um, where, where that was a season where we genuinely had a essentially a Premier League squad. We'd kept most of the players. We had, you know, your Michael Dawson's, your Hernandez, your Diami, your Robertson, Klukas, et cetera, or maybe not Klukas, but a lot of those players who we'd had in the Premier League and, and we'd managed to retain to keep that core together, to bounce straight back up, where that season it did feel like we were bashing up on teams and we beat a few teams 6 nils, you know, 5-0, 6 nil sort of thing. This season... The recruitment last season was essentially recruiting League One players, and this season we're also recruiting League One players. It just so happens that now we're in League One. So um, I put a little bit more stock in the fact that we're actually playing well as a squad this season with players that aren't, you know, we're not splashing cash going out and buying championship players to pull us back up where we're buying well we, we you know we got josh emmanuel for free from a relegated bolton for instance and he's one of our best players this season you know we've got yes okay we bought honeyman from sunderland last season we you know we got smallwood on a free from blackburn like these these aren't you know big money signings so i i i take the point that yes okay we we clearly got a, a championship budget or a lower championship budget that's probably dwarfs a lot of those you know AFC Wimbledon for instance would have a tiny budget in comparison but yeah I do think it's a bit of sour grapes from some of these managers in this division and you know yes you you probably do need to spin results a certain way to to keep the confidence going it's just it's it's a funny trend that we've had in every every game so far this season um one interesting factor I, I noted this morning looking at the table is that all seven of our, of our games have been against sides that are now sort of mid-table in League One. You know, we, we haven't faced a single team that's in the relegation zone, haven't faced a team yet that's in the playoff places. That'll change this weekend. Um, but you know, that potentially bodes pretty well for us that um, either side of playing us, teams 
that we've been playing have been picking up points and, and aren't doing too poorly. So, you know, as a barometer of how the quality of our opponents has been, I, I think the fact that we've come away with six out of seven wins is pretty terrific. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I said it before, I said it earlier, six out of seven wins, top of the table. Can't complain. complain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll um, before we look ahead to the games to come, we will do our player review. And, and this week we're looking at Dan Batty, who su- probably surprisingly hasn't had as much of a look in this season as we might have thought. He, he's only had the two starts this season with another two appearances off the bench, but um, 62 appearances all up from us, all up for us having come through the youth system. Um where do you see his place in the side? I know he he signed a one-year extension last year. Is the sense potentially that, that, that I guess, because he doesn't have a place in the starting 11, perhaps this will be his last year with us? Um, I don't know whether that's because... Uh, he, he seemed pretty reasonable at championship level for us. I wouldn't necessarily say he's, he's not good enough to make the cut, but it just seems as if his position is one where we've tried to bring in other players, which has meant that by nature they've gotten the chances ahead of him. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think, um, look, I thought he, I think, as you said, like I thought he went, he went reasonably well last season. Um, I think, um, you know, when he's had the chances he's had this year in, in league and cup, he's, he's performed well. Um, he, guess, was, it the, was, it, was it the EFL trophy where he got the um, captain's armband, I think? Uh, the, yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Um, the only thing I can really put it down to, or like my only like real like direct comparison between him and, and I guess the other players that occupy the same position is is maybe that uh, like a bit of hint of like athleticism maybe, like, you know, some are a bit, a bit quicker or a bit more agile. Not that he's, you know, he's no, not not a Huddleston sort of level of, of, uh, you know, pace or anything, you know. But I think because I think like his range of passing is really good. Um, he's yeah. quite strong on the ball. He's he's good at good in in the tackle. Like he has lots of good attributes. Um, and I think maybe it's just that McCann wants to play that really high energy, high you know, high octane sort of sort of football, and maybe that's where where Batty is sliding down the pecking order. But in saying that, like we've already seen, you know, Smallwood have an injury, cop an injury this year. We've got a long way to go. There's going to be plenty of twists and turns in on so many different levels in, in terms of results, in terms of players and injuries and form that, like, I think it's it's, it's really impossible to make, to, to make any serious call on, on his future at the club, I think, you know. Yeah. We've seen, you know, like you look at the Premier League and Van Dyke's done his ACL, you know, something, you know, God forbid doesn't happen, but something like that, you know, happens to to, um, to Smallwood or Doherty and all of a sudden there's a there's a spot that's there, yeah, like available for, for someone like that to, to step in and play a lot of football. So, I don't and, know. And, um, and, it, and it's good having an option like him on the bench. I think he's certainly a reliable option to come into the side. As you say, his, his range of passing is good. Um, I, I think you're right. It is probably um, his athleticism more than anything else. It's probably um, putting him down the order compared to a Honeyman or a Doherty who, who can uh, just run for days pretty much. Um, I, I think that's probably the, the fact of counting against him. 
Um, I, I think it will be interesting if we start to try to plan for... I mean, it, the difficulty for us almost every season is we, we never seem to have much certainty about what league will be in the following season. So that's always a justification for not having any contract negotiations until the last minute or we let players just leave. Um, for instance, I think I saw a comment today about KLP basically being the next Bowen and and, and the Alums potentially looking for another sale and you think, well, okay, but he probably needs a contract extension to get to that point, you know. Is it not going to be worth a whole lot next year? It's probably going to be the year or two after that. So players like KLP, Batty, who's out of contract, there's probably a few others out of contract as well. And it's probably a discussion for later in the season. But it would be nice if we started to see, going along with the positivity of being top of the league, you know, if we started to see a few players re-signing on slightly extended deals, it would just keep that ball rolling. Yep, um, well, us. We've, we've had the conversation about the Allens and how they run their contract negotiations at, at Hull City many, many times. Um, Broken record, I yeah. I don't know if I really want to go into it again. It just frustrates yeah. me. Um, well, so just, just back on Batty, I mean, the only other thing I can add on him that's a very well, very random sort of uh, fact to associate with him is that I, you always – Play, you know, I used to always play FIFA, you know, starting with a Hull City campaign, working us up from whatever league we start in, usually be the championship up to the Premier League. Um, and you sort of, you know, you play your cup games, you play with, you, you rotate the squad and get the academy kids in. And back in oh, FIFA 17 or something like that, sort of been years and years ago now, um, I remember Batty coming into my side and he was 50 rated or something like that. So I thought he was going to be awful and, and he was terrific scored a couple of great goals and i thought geez you know chuck him in the first 11 so the names the name always stuck with me from that point so when he came into the side for real it was quite exciting because you'd always get those random academy players in fifa who you'd only ever really see you know no disrespect to them but you'd only ever really see when city was releasing them at the end of their um youth contracts so to see what to see one of those sorts of ran, random so-called youth players in fifa coming through into the main team was uh Quite funny to see. Um, that's probably my my lasting memory of Batty at this stage, which, you know, he, he's one of those ones. I mean, he doesn't have – he's not a very flashy player, so he doesn't have a whole lot of highlights in that sense, but um, he's one – he's a pretty reliable player, I'd say. Yeah, I think that sort of just summed it up pretty well. Not, not very flashy, but very reliable. Yeah. So we'll, we'll look ahead now to um, the first of two games we've got next week, um, being against Peterborough. Um, who you could basically blindfold yourself, point to a random season in the last 10 years and guess that they were managed by Darren Ferguson and you'll probably be right because this is his third spell managing them um, over that time, I think, or it might be an even longer stretch than that. But um, my, my so, I was looking back when, when we last played them and it was the 2012-13 season, so um, first promotion season under Bruce. And my lasting memory of playing them was I think they'd started that season with nine or ten losses in a row. And we were playing them at the end of September, um, which coincided with the Aussie Rules Grand Final down here. And I was down in Melbourne to watch the uh, the Swans play. And we'd won the flag, so I was out celebrating afterwards and was blind drunk and, and sort of vaguely remembered to check the city score. And so we were down, I think we were down 3-0 or 4-0 or something horrendous like that. And I was just like, ah, oh, it's all right. I, I just had no no care at that point for that. Um, I think we drew with them later in the season as well. Um, we would have got 
George Boyd off them that season, I think, was probably the main link as well. Um, but, yeah, they haven't played them since then. I think they've been down, bouncing between League One and the Championship, and we've probably just missed them whenever they've been in the Championship. Um, and I guess the other link being that Grant McGann was their manager for um, a bit over a season. I think he I think he almost got them to the playoffs and then was sacked after a pretty poor start to the next season. Um, so there might be a bit of fire in the clash for that reason. But other than that, they've won four of their last five games in pretty good form. So it'll be our first big test, I would say. Yeah, it should be a good test on the weekend. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I think we've responded well to the Fleetwood game now. Now, again, it's whether we can carry that on um, and, and continue on. I read something that someone said, you know, you, you, you're probably not going to go through a season undefeated. But if you can go through in um, like little clumps of, you know, three or four games where you're going three or four games in a row where you win and then you might drop drop some points and then you go three or four games getting a win, then you're probably going to, you, you're guaranteed you're going to be up in that top sort of section of the, of the table. Yeah. So I think I'd be happy if we can continue a little, little run of form like that with, you know, we've, we've had two wins. We've had a loss. We've had two wins now. So, you know, another couple of wins. Um, and we'll see where we go. But I think, you know, we've got ourselves to the top. Um, we just got to keep keep doing what we're doing and, and maintain that position, maintain the rage, so to speak. And yeah. um, I think I think we have, I mean, we've shown so far that we have all of, we have the tools at our disposal to to, to to, to win this league and to and to win the matches that are presented with um, to us, so I'm looking forward to the weekend and I think um, hoping for a very strong performance and a good result. Yeah, and, and as you say, I think no team can expect to go through undefeated. We saw we saw just this morning Ipswich lost uh, to Doncaster four one, so same scoreline that we lost to Fleetwood by. So it's not as if we can look at that Fleetwood game and say, oh, that's you know City showing its frailties and it's just just us, you know, we're going to crumble sort of thing. All the teams in this division will have days like that where they're off their game and the other side wants it more and and they struggle to get up for it. Um, so I think, as you say, if we can just kind of put a piece a few more wins together and if you're winning four games for every loss that you have or that sort of set, that sort of ratio, I think you'll um, be in pretty good stead. Um Changes for the lineup for this one. I, I guess the logical one would be Emmanuel coming back in for Coyle. Uh, presumably Wilkes back in for Adelican if he's fit. Um, and otherwise, uh, Eves, Eves looked okay when he came off the bench for Wimbledon. Um, he, he was a little bit rusty, but he also had some really good flashes as well. Um, I feel like we're going to get in the same rhythm as last season where we say he just needs a goal to, to get his confidence going and, and then he'll be off and running. Um I don't know if I'd throw him in from the start for this one. I'd probably stick with Magenis. Um, yeah, look, I think yeah, since since his return from injury, he's now was played twenty minutes or something this morning. So I think yeah. a few more cameos off the bench, um, building that time up maybe um, before he before he gets a start. Um, but yeah, um, I thought I thought he was okay this um, this morning. Couple of couple of nice nice runs and, and nice touches on the ball. Um, almost. Well, he had a bit of a shot, but if he'd a, mm. he'd a bit off balance, but I think it was Doherty was standing in the box unmarked or something. He just had to, if he could could have played the pass instead, it would have been would have set up a set up a goal to, to finish it off. But no, I think um, yeah, probably yeah. I, I thought Adela Coon was not great this morning. So if we, if Wilkes is 
healthy and fit again, then I, I'd expect him to come back in. Uh, yeah, manual for Coyle. Graves keeping his spot, or or uh, this is uh, this is the one that I hate. Where you, like it's not like it's not like someone played badly, and so they yeah. got it's just like someone was out, and then yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see him keep his place. I feel though that if Device is fit, that he'll probably just step back in. I think it's I think it's um you know it's a it's a big game against a team at the top of the division, four wins in five. I think we'll probably opt for the experience of Device if he's fit. Um, I'd maybe even see Jones come in. I think it'd be really harsh to to bring Jones in for Greaves so, though, um, just because Greaves hasn't really done a whole lot wrong. Um, Jones isn't that much older, even so. You can't really argue that Jones has has that much more experience. So maybe maybe we do stick with Greaves if um, if Device isn't available. But um, yeah, that that'll probably be the most interesting selection dilemma that we have to face this week. Um, what's your sense on the score for this one? Um, that's a tough one. Not sure. Uh, I think we'll get. It. I, I can see us getting the win. Um, although now we're playing a team that's. It's up there a bit higher. Um, whether we can maintain another clean sheet, um, I'm not sure about. I think maybe like a 2-1 victory. I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see if because we're playing a better side or a quote-unquote better side, um, whether that actually helps us because I, I'm still finding it interesting that our bigger wins are coming away from home where presumably sides are a little bit more um, uh keen to get out and attack us because their probably perception is it's our home game. We need to be trying to get something out of this, whereas they might come to the KCOM and set up the two banks of four or, or five five at the back, um, as Wimbledon had this morning, going quite defensive. But Peterborough, Peterborough would presumably look to be trying to get something out of this game and be quite attacking, which might play into our hands a little bit more. And, yeah, I... I, I I think you're probably right. I don't know if we'll keep a clean sheet. I, I could say maybe it's a 2-1 or a 3-2 sort of. I, it could be quite a high-scoring game. Um, Peter Rowe, quite an attacking side, uh, as they always have been. Um, Clark Harris up forward for them looks to be. They, they just, they're one of those clubs like um, uh, Brentford as well is another one where they can just bring in a player and you just know that they're going to end up being a success. They, they, you know, they sell their forward, they bring in a new forward and the forward just carries on. Um, as if nothing's changed. So they've sold Tony to um, to Brentford, funnily enough, and, and and they've brought in Clark Harris from Bristol Rovers, and, and he looks a find as well. So um, it'll be, yeah, be a really interesting game, um, and, and I'll probably say a high-scoring game. I, I want to say we'll win it, um, but, hey, you know, we haven't had a draw yet. It might end up being a draw. Don't know. Um, the other game will be next Wednesday morning, I think. Uh, it could be Thursday, I'm not sure, uh, against Bristol Rovers. Um who haven't had a fantastic start? That um, they've been okay. I mean, they they have won three of their five, so that's not that's not terrible. Um, three of their last five, that's not terrible. Um, but we haven't played them since the last time we were in League One, which was back in 03-04. So um, a long time between drinks for meetings with them. Um, not even a cup fixture. So pretty pretty hard game to read in that sense. There's not a whole lot of form to 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 read into it on. Um, so I guess the only real Question is, you know, um, how, how how do you see it going? How, do you see do you see us picking up another win in this one? It, it's it's difficult with League One teams, yeah. which where we don't have a whole lot of knowledge about them. Um, it's hard to to read too much into the game, but yeah. 
Um, look, I'd probably I'd expect if it's another Saturday when or like yeah Saturday Wednesday sort of a game midweek and then probably probably a bit of rotation again come next Wednesday um, come the Bristol game. I, yeah, I mean it's hard to see mm. any reason why we can't get the win, but like yeah, it's it's tough one to sort of call from from this far away. I guess I guess the only interesting question I'd put to you is if if Coyle was still injured. We don't really know the extent of his injury yet. Um, and I mean, Josh Emmanuel does a lot of running in um, that fullback slot. Whether whether McCann would consider playing a McLaughlin at right back, um, you know, we we recruited Emmanuel and Coyle for the very reason that we didn't really have any right backs in the squad before then. So we're sort of back into that dilemma if Coyle's out injured. Um, would you would you sort of be happy to see someone like a McLaughlin given a gig there? Would you be happy to see us sort of dip into the youth ranks potentially, or or we probably need to treat this game with a bit more respect and and, and just not rotate? Um, look, I don't know. Would could Fleming perhaps switch from left from left side to right side? Um, that's probably a bit more of a natural. Like it's it's still a bit of a change, but from a centre half centre half to a wide mm. defence is is a bit is fairly tactically different to to one one side to the other. It's just you know your foot your good foot's on the wrong side now. But, um, yeah. yeah, don't know. I think um, has he played? Did, no, we had, did, did Fleming play right back for us last year, or was that? Uh, that might have been oh, um, McKenzie. McKenzie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look, I, yeah. Look, I don't. I'm not suggesting that there'll be heaps of changes, but I think, like, especially like, I know Honeyman's like a key figure, but and it, but I don't. There's got to come a point. Like, you can't run forever. Surely, you know, it's gonna it's gotta come a game where you go. All right. Well, you know, we just you just have a rest this game. And let yep. Adela Kuhn or, or Mayer or someone go and sit in that attacking midfield um, gig for for a game, um, because I feel like if you if you start him, you're never going to pull him off. He's just gonna he's just run and run and run. I feel like he's a kind of if he was a racehorse, he'd run until his heart exploded. I think. Yeah. Um, oh god. Anyway, we're get I'm getting off track. <laughs> No, that's okay. We just got a comment from Kieran, so I say, "Cheers, Kieran. Thank you for the like." And uh, absolutely, he's been a been a great free transfer. So, um, a terrific pickup for us so far. And uh, we were saying before, I mean, it's it's amazing when um, sides probably look at us as having one of the bigger transfer budgets in the mm-hmm. league. The fact that one of our best players was a, a free pickup from a relegated League One side. So, uh, you know. Potentially, it just shows that that our recruitment really is picking up under Lee Darnborough, and, and we are starting to find a few more gems um, at this level, which is which is great to see. Um, so, just before we let we we leave things, um, and Kieran sort of started us off on the on the topic, but thank you everyone for listening in. Um, if you if you can drop us a like, share the video around, we always appreciate it. Getting um, getting the news out about the about the um, episodes, um, seen a few new people who've discovered us on Spotify, which is great to see. Um, all our episodes are available there in audio. They're available on iTunes. They're basically anywhere you get your podcasts from, which is great. Um, we do have a Patreon. Um, we are looking to record our first Patreon, not exclusive episode, but we're, we're going to be releasing um, a series of bonus episodes first to our Patreons and then to everyone else probably a week or or. 10 days later sort of thing like that. 
uh, where we'll be looking back at uh, the 2010 to 2020 decade for Hull City. So starting pre-Alums, which is, you know, it seems like a long time ago now, um, all the way up to, uh, unfortunately, relegation from the championship last season. But, um, you know, that that's still to come um, and that'll be great fun to record. And uh, tonight's episode's also been great fun to record. So thank you for joining me, Dan. Not a problem any time. No problem. And, and thank you, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're